Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, December 21st. It's that time of the year when we reflect on the past 12 months in the city of Calgary. This time out, I'll look back at the biggest issues facing the Calgary Police Service, from transit safety to an increase of gun-related crimes, we speak with Police Chief Mark Newfeld. We've been talking about it all month. The Mitten Project this week marks our final push for donations. We talk about the impact your generosity will make to Calgarians in need with Chaz Smith, President, CEO and founder of Be The Change YYC. And finally, more than 4 million Best of Bridge books have been sold in nearly 50 years since the series began. We crack open the latest edition of the iconic cookbook and hear about the contributions of Calgary chef Sylvia Kong. Are Calgary streets safe? And what have been the biggest issues facing Calgary police in 2022? Joining us to discuss a look back and perhaps a little bit of a look forward into 2023 is Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. Good morning to you, Chief. Good morning, Sue and Andrew. Well, let's go back, and I know that just a few minutes might not be enough to unpack everything, but as you look back at the past 12 months, how did Calgary crime rates compare to the last handful of years? Uh, You know what, it's been an interesting uh, year as the last couple have given the uh, impacts of the pandemic. So I would say in 2022, like our our property crime numbers were lower than uh, they have been if you were to compare them against 2021 and 2020, again, because of the pandemic. Uh, and uh, violent crime numbers were up, you know, slightly. I would say that if you were to kind of take the pandemic out of it uh, and compare uh, 2022 to, say, 2019, we would have seen sort of, I, I think, similar numbers on the violent side and then and then smaller numbers on the property side. Inflation, uh, you know, cost of living, all of those things, losing jobs because of the way, you know, things are these days. Do you think all of that sort of translates into crime as well, ultimately, or is there more to it? Well, you know, it's hard to say. I would imagine it's probably a complex um, recipe there that leads to that. But I think it all does sort of funnel in. I think what we're seeing is a lot of uh, calls for service and a lot of issues in the community that probably just relate to um, the way people's lives have changed over the last couple of years and stress and certainly, you know, the economy and and, uh, impacts of jobs and inflation and all of these things certainly go into that as well. How concerned is the Calgary Police Service regarding increased gun violence that that we've seen in 2022? And what's being done to address the issue to, to get these guns off the street, Chief? Uh, well, we're very concerned about it, uh, Andrew. Obviously, it's one of these things that it's very public. Uh, it's very high profile, so people hear about it, and it affects their perceptions of safety. And also, it, it is something where, you know, we've seen a few of these uh, incidents there that have been very, very unsafe, not just for the individuals that have been involved directly, but also for the community, the way some of it's played out. So I would say that, um, you know, it's, this is always going to be a priority when we're having these issues for the service and for the community. Uh, lots of work being done, uh, certainly by the members, in relation to uh, what we have seen. I think as of last count here, we had about 123 shootings in 2022 to the end of November. Um, I would say that compares back to about 95 in the same period of time in 2021. And all of that compares to an average of about 73 over the last number of years. So that's a spike that's way higher than than what we would want to be. One is one too many, I've said before. But uh, the members are working really hard. Um, what we see is about a quarter of those shootings are, be, are involved with uh, organized crime. Uh, so kind of uh, the gang, the, con- the conventional gang type violence. Lots of work being done there with individuals who we know are high risk and who are involved in that type of lifestyle. And of late, actually, we've announced a number of really good arrests and firearm seizures that will actually um, have made a big difference, as a matter of fact, because the cadence and the pace 
of shootings in 2022 has slowed down uh, as a result of that. So that we so we know that it's had a uh, an impact. But you know, we're lots of uh, work being done too, even in the prevention space with education and prevention with community and young people, trying to keep people from actually going into that lifestyle while dealing with the individuals who are in it now. Um, I would say, though, probably the biggest challenge with gun violence this year has been, I mentioned 25% was sort of gang-related, and that leaves 75% that, that's attributable to other factors from domestic violence to just regular conflict to, you know, sort of some crazy things we've seen, you know, road rage incident, incidents um, escalate into uh, gun violence. And so we're looking at that really closely, but from a prevention standpoint, looking at ways that we could intervene and uh, and try to try to impact that before it happens, it's very hard when it's spread across the map in terms of geography and reasons and that type of thing. So, and that's seventy five percent. Your your work is cut out for you for sure on that front. When it comes to weapons, chief, what about three D weapons at this point in twenty twenty two and moving forward? Have they become a, a real problem? And and how do police address a three D printed weapon? Yeah, so that's becoming a bigger issue. Um, we had a release uh, earlier this year where we sort of introduced that concept uh, to the public because I would say that the average person probably wouldn't be aware that you could do that now with 3D uh, printing technology. So, yeah, that, that's a major issue because, of course, very difficult to track those weapons in the conventional manner. Um, so, really, the interdiction around that is looking for um, uh, the parts. There, there are key parts to weapons that actually can't be printed. And so, from an intelligence perspective, if we know that individuals are ordering or buying large numbers of, of key parts that would actually enable, you know, the rest of the, the printed parts of the weapon, uh, that's certainly somewhere to look. No different than... Um, with respect to the manufacturing of certain types of drugs, we look for people who are ordering a lot of precursors that actually uh, go into the making of those. And that generally will point us in the right direction. But an emerging issue for sure. And the other issue is obviously where these things are made out of um, uh, materials that are not uh, something that you can you know, catch as easily with um, a scanner or uh, a wand. That, that's another aspect of the problem with those. We will be back with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld and continue our conversation at look, uh, what is being done to address safety issues on Calgary Transit as we do a look back on 2022 with the Police Chief. In conversation with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld and uh, Chief Calgary Transit Safety, it's been a topic that has been discussed for months and months in the city, and, and we've discussed with you in the past uh, several months. We know that there's a, a plan ahead, and there's uh, going to be uh, some beefed-up presence on uh, trains. We're talking to the mayor, Mayor Jody Gondek, as well about it. Uh, but, of course, you, you know, attacks with a hatchet in the past year, a flare gun. Uh, what do you feel like, uh, as far as your optimism, that we, we're going to get on top of this problem in 2023 and in the path ahead and the plan? I am, I am optimistic. I mean, the plan will take a little bit of, uh, of time to scale up, obviously, because it relies on people for the most part. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the key here is that, that transit is vital to our city. And it's an essential service for many Calgarians. They rely on it to, uh, to be able to basically go through life every day, whether it's getting to and from work or wherever they have to go. So, listen, it's got to be safe. Um, we worked cooperatively, obviously, with Calgary Transit uh, peace officers. The model in the city here is that we've got transit peace officers that have primary responsibility. But, you know, I think when the model was developed, they were looking at issues like, uh, you know, making sure people had paid their fares and, and dealing with the more minor issues on transit. And now suddenly I think we're dealing with a very different environment. We've seen the videos there where, you know, there's a there's a small, what appears to be a small uh, uh, conflict erupts. 
And right away, people are bringing out weapons and stuff like that. So there's going to be no tolerance for that. There is no tolerance from that. Our folks uh, in the in the districts are well aware of the uh, sort of the hotspots they have in the districts and the times that they need to be in places. So we work closely with transit. What we find is we go in and we conduct uh, operations, generally speaking, uh, to support the transit uh, operations. And when we do that, we're finding way too many opportunities to arrest people for warrants and weapons and drugs and this type of thing. So at this point, obviously, we know there's more work to do. Um, we're working with transit to be able to do that, and I'm confident that we'll be able to bring that back um, to a steady state where uh, Calgarians can feel safe. Chief CPS asked for more money in the uh, city budget. Do you, do you think there are enough officers on the street, and how do we recruit and get more officers, more boots on the ground? Well, that's one of the biggest issues that we faced, uh, Sue, this past year was capacity. I can tell you that uh, there were not enough officers on the street, partly because we didn't have enough and then partly because we were running vacancies. Uh, You know, through the pandemic, we saw sort of larger um, uh, rates of attrition than we had in the past. And and that was exacerbated by the fact that we weren't able to uh, recruit and train at the same time. uh, the same uh, rate that we have in the past. So we're playing a little bit of catch up. But what I can tell you is that, uh, you know, looking as we're closing out 2022, we had targeted to uh, hire like crazy this past year and targeted 135 new hires on the sworn side. And so we will exceed that by the end of the year. Uh, so that's good. So sometimes, you know, my colleagues in other parts of the country are saying, you know, gosh, our numbers of applications are down. We're having a hard time getting people involved in uh, policing. I touch wood every time I say this, but that is not our experience in Calgary. We've got lots of local people, uh, really great people applying to be part of the Calgary Police Service. And we're also seeing that there is that Alberta advantage and certainly Calgary is benefiting from it. Um, where we've got people from the Lower Mainland and experienced officers from Ontario and others uh, coming to Calgary uh, to join the police service uh, because of some of those. uh, Not only do we have a great city, but also we have a, uh, a, a great quality of life. Chief, thanks for your time today, and thanks for joining us uh, monthly over the past uh, year. We we really appreciate that and look forward to our chats in 2023. Happy New Year to you. Same to you, uh, Andrew, and uh, happy holidays to both of you and your families and your listeners. Thanks, Chief. It's Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. We are technically wrapping it up today. We did again this year something we call the Mitten Project, a chance for us to ask you to help out Calgary's less fortunate and the uh, folks that are living rough out on the streets by donating new mittens and gloves. And uh, now we'd like to introduce you to the man who runs the organization that will benefit from the amazing donations and the amazing generosity of Calgarians who brought in dozens and dozens and in fact probably hundreds of pairs of mitts and gloves. This is Chaz Smith, President, CEO, and founder of Be The Change YYC. Hi, Chaz. Hi, Sue. Uh, good morning, and thank you, everyone. I've, I've heard that there's been many hundreds of pairs dropped off, and uh, that that's just amazing. Many, many, in fact, Chaz. We'll be bringing them down to see you on Friday. But, uh, you know, we want to talk to you as we get a, give a little last push for the Mitten Project. Maybe somebody yeah. hears this and thinks, you know what, I can help out, and, and maybe I should help out, because I can't even imagine how awful it must be living on the street for Calgary's vulnerable community when it is this mm-hmm. bitterly cold. Absolutely. And, um, y- you know, especially when you're using your hands all day, often, you know, walking around, collecting things, picking things up, um, those gloves also get, uh, y- you know, a little bit frayed and, and they start to fall apart. 
Um, but I, I know, for example, last year we handed out uh, just over 2,600 pairs of gloves. And we know that gloves, of course, are an important line of defense in preventing frostbite. Uh, when we do look at frostbite uh, from like Alberta Health Services standpoint in their own stats, we see that there was approximately 334 individuals uh, hospitalized for frostbite in a 10-year period of 03 to 2014, so 11 years there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 50% of the discharges for frostbite of folks that were experiencing homelessness, 50% of the time they received an amputation. And they made up um, 37% of all of the hospitalizations for frostbite. So we know that experiencing homelessness and frostbite are directly related. And anyone that's donating right now these gloves, they're going to go directly to those folks that need it most. And often folks that are still sleeping outside even right now in these harsh conditions because there are still many unfortunately that are outside and we will make sure that those gloves get directly to them and hopefully we'll be able to you know save some fingers um and uh, you know the quality of life for folks mm-hmm. incredible hey Chaz, for people who have just moved to calgary or maybe are unfamiliar with be the change yyc can you break it down for us because i know this is much more than a job for you uh, the mm-hmm. history of it, uh, you're very much attached to it. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I experienced homelessness in 05 to 08, and I ended up working with the Calgary Homeless Foundation on the 10-year plan specifically to end youth homelessness in 2010-2011. And then I had worked at the shelter actually during the same time frame that I had previously lived at uh, years before. So in 2015, um, I just a group of friends and I got together and we started handing out sandwiches and all these essentials of life along with uh, resource guides for folks to access, you know, detox, mental health support. And that was just over seven years ago. So today we are operating, um, you know, out of this, uh, in a building called like the, the source in the downtown core. So we connect folks uh, directly to housing, uh, detox, adult addiction services, uh, mental health supports, support them in getting ID if that's what they need, uh, getting on income support, uh, medical appointments. And, uh, you know, our, our team is very robust. Uh, we have about 65 active volunteer outreach workers. And while they're volunteers, a lot of them are still nurses, firefighters. We have a couple doctors. Um, there's, you know, paramedics, uh, social workers, addictions workers. And um, so I'm very thankful for all the the volunteer power that we do have and that uh, we, we're 90% volunteer run in our strategic plan. That's something that we want to maintain because folks really do want to help. Um, and they might not be able to do this full-time type of help, but they can commit to a few times a month. And so uh, because of that, our program is very robust and we have you know, an EMR on every single shift right now. So we're able to do those, um, you know, those frostbite treatments, uh, to do uh, like minor infection uh, type things and kind of advise folks uh, from, from their standpoint of EMRs and paramedics of what they should be doing with, with sort of what's going on and, and whatnot. Um, you know, we're also feeding folks uh, food, water, clothing, hygiene, and these are folks often in back alleys and doorways, sleeping in tents, and we're just really trying to 
uh, encourage them to access services and, and to remind them that there is still community out there, that we do care and, um, you know, to connect to services and become part of the community. And hopefully this is part of that journey well, of we, healing. We care and we can see that our community cares about the organization, about the folks who are living out on the streets because our donation bin is overflowing and it's fantastic. We hope it'll keep overflowing, yeah. Chaz, so we can bring those mitts and gloves down to you at uh, Be The Change YYC on Friday. Thank you for all you do. And uh, we're happy to ask people to bring those mittens and gloves down to 3320 17th Ave Southwest and drop them at the radio station. Thanks, Chaz. Uh, thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. Chaz Smith, president, CEO, and founder of Be The Change YYC. The website, bethechangeyyc.org. Getting ready to do some cooking this holiday season? Well, the latest addition to the Best of Bridge series is out now. With all the details, we catch up with the book's co-author and Calgary-based food stylist, Sylvia Kong. Hi, Sylvia. How are you? Hi, Sue. I'm doing great. I love this series. It is the only series. These are the only cookbooks I use. I'm no chef, but you guys have helped me become a much better one, so I'm grateful for it. And this is this is the fifth Best of Bridge cookbook you've worked on. Yes, the fifth one that Emily Richards and I have worked on together. So we, we just have so much fun working on this together. And I'm thrilled that you um, rely on our books to get you cooking. Completely. Now, is this one specifically, I haven't seen it, so you're going to have to break it down for me and everybody else. Is this one a special holiday cookbook or is it kind of, you know, we can use it 365? It's a 365 book. What's special about it is that um, they've taken... Um, the book in a different direction in that it's a hard cover there's a lot more pictures in it it's just uh it's just a, like all the other books have been great but this one is just a little bit different in the spine and everything and it's just a beautiful book in you know patting ourselves on the back but we love it as you should i mean there's nothing more beautiful than a, a gorgeous cookbook so paint a picture for us it obviously if it's a hard cover i'm assuming there's some gorgeous photography in there which i think is really helpful when making a recipe Exactly. Well, this Everyday Celebrations is about celebrating the big things that happen in life and even the small things like, hey, I bumped into a friend I haven't seen in a long time and just finding small things to really enjoy in life. And in the last few years, you know, we all haven't been able to get together quite the same, but we think that food brings people together, family and friends. And when you have a meal together that's made with love, that just is a memory that goes on and on, just like the smell, the flavor just the joy and the laughter that people can remember based on food and getting together. So, so true. So talk about some of the recipes that are in there. I mean, you don't have to be a great cook. You don't even have to be a good cook. That's the beauty of a good cookbook. Exactly. Like we've got them from breakfast all the way to dessert because Emily, of course, and I both love our sweets, but there's some great make a hit. We've got lots of tips and, um, you know, variations in the book for example we've got a sheet pan mushroom and ham frittata perfect for serving over the holiday uh, we've got some bran scones with a delicious raspberry chia seed jam that goes with it and it takes you all to all kinds of appetizers the one that's been a big favorite is the dill pickle dip which you know mm. i can't get enough of <laughs> in it so good and we have you know vegetarian options and it's definitely soup season sue and i hope you've had your you know your soup pot boiling away on the stove lately so but we've got great ideas if you haven't okay you know i love that so what do you say to somebody who might be listening to this and say thinking forget it like i'm just i'm intimidated by cooking i'm intimidated by cookbooks how do you get somebody started who thinks that they maybe aren't able to do it well we've got some 
simple recipes because you know definitely we do enjoy a grocery store shortcut because who doesn't because not everything has to be cooked right from scratch for example uh we've got a butter chicken french bread pizza mm. you didn't have to make the dough you didn't have to buy the dough you don't have to stretch the dough you get your uh your bread here and then you make a very simple butter chicken sauce that goes on top and it is is absolutely delicious and same with the focaccia pizza supreme with hot honey drizzle Super easy recipes. Again, you didn't have to roll anything out. And we think that's, you know, a great make ahead. Mm -hmm. You can prep it ahead of time and, and enjoy it. Yeah, if somebody shows up unexpectedly over the holidays. Or for me, I think, Sylvia, trying to get my kids involved in cooking, it's kind of a lost art for kids, I think. So I, I think it's a great way maybe over the holidays to get everybody in the kitchen together, having some fun, trying something out, and get the kids learning and loving how to cook, right? We love when people send us pictures of kids in the kitchen uh, using some of our recipes and or just kids in the kitchen because we think it's a, a very, very important life skill going forward. And with the cost of living these days, um, can't always eat out and cooking in is fun. Uh, it doesn't have to be you know, too laborious and you got leftovers and... <laughs> So we think it's all, you know, big pluses. Would you say then, because I think so, and I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably do too, but you talked about the, the cost of living. Inflation is crazy high. Is it less expensive, do you think, to cook at home than to even go out and buy fast food these days? Because I would think so. Oh, definitely. And um, we've got a really, you know, a great sized uh, vegetarian section because if it's a little less expensive, like we love our beef, we love our pork and chicken, of course. But some people, uh, if you want to cut the budget, they might want to add more lentils or beans and greens. And we've got plenty of those recipes to a meal. And again, the vegetarian choices are uh, vast here and so we we love all these tasty things based on like paneer beans mushrooms uh, especially delicious is the well i shouldn't say that no favorites right <laughs> uh, the <laughs> mushroom and three puffed pancakes it is so good you can serve it for breakfast brunch lunch even supper so our our recipes are versatile that way and we want people to sort of open up their mind and think just because it's in this particular chapter in the book doesn't mean you can in, you cannot enjoy it any time of the day so be flexible with it and uh we want people to be more relaxed in the kitchen and put their own spin on some of the recipes because they're not written in stone. If you didn't like cilantro, like some people don't, then we say saben parsley or green onion or skip it all together. Love it. This is the latest addition to the beloved Best of Bridge series. This one's called Best of Bridge Everyday Celebrations by Sylvia Kong and Emily Richards. 125 brand new recipes. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, best of the holidays to you. Thanks for always bringing us wonderful cookbooks to enjoy with the family and friends in the kitchen and eating our faces off. My pleasure, Sue. We'll see you again. Thank Chat you again. so much. Sylvia Kong, Calgary-based food stylist, co-author of the new Best of Bridge cookbook. And by the way, more than 4 million Best of Bridge books have been sold in the nearly 50 years since the series began. You can get all the details at bestofbridge.com. People love cookbooks. You can get Heck a lot yeah. online. I get that. But they like the tangible cookbook. I do. Because I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook. I like the cookbook so I can sit it on my counter and look at it. You love it. I yeah, do. absolutely. Gail texts in and says, I need that book. Yeah, I you, need do, that book. you do need it, Gail. Absolutely. Do. And hey. then she says, hey, thanks, Best of Bridge, for your dedication to these cookbooks and the land of amazing cinnamon buns. 50 years, 4 million copies. Yeah.